This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional help. If you or someone you know is facing difficulties, I advise you consult a psychologist. Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of Psych for Life with Dr. Amanda Ferguson. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Ferguson. In today's episode, I'll be discussing snowflake or noflake. Are the young actually strong in declaring their sensitivity? Mental illness was a growing problem for young people well before the COVID-19 pandemic. But now, as a result of lockdowns and everything else that came with the pandemic, mental health problems have escalated further. Young people wait many months to see a psychologist, particularly in Victoria, Australia, which experienced the longest lockdown in the world. Australia, like many countries, had only just experienced major natural disasters of fire and floods. We health experts are now worried about the so-called shadow pandemic the escalating mental health problems of young people across the world. And now, a seeming backlash to this concern, the labelling by some people for this generation as snowflakes, insinuating that they lack resilience. So what does research show? A poll conducted in March 2022 of all 16 to 24-year-old Australians in the past two years found 25% thought about suicide and 15% had attempted self-harm, which means they were cutting, overdosing and hurting themselves or thinking about this. People think of suicide and self-harm when they're in overwhelming pain and can't see an end or a solution to the pain. It is a rational decision. This is hard for people who've never experienced anything like this to understand. Emotional and mental suffering is currently a major problem, with 82% of young people reporting suffering mental health problems during the COVID pandemic. And the media is just starting to report this serious problem. And yet a response from some sectors of the public are labelling this young generation snowflakes, insinuating they lack resilience and courage. The term snowflake became prominent in the US 2016 election. To me, it's a derogatory term, denoting someone to be overly sensitive Psychologists such as myself take sensitivity very seriously. Sensitivity can be a major contributor to mental illness, but if protected and balanced with other skills and abilities, it can also be a sign of superior emotional intelligence. Reports currently in the media, and particularly in Sydney, with interviews from teachers and school councils, show the long-term effects of isolation for young people and students are suddenly starting to become very obvious. Students have been found to be much more disobedient, much more distracted and much more disturbed in their friendships. Their development and social maturity has suffered. While this is anecdotal evidence and we don't have data yet, It would seem strange if data to come won't reflect this. Some say high school students are suffering the worst, with much worse discipline issues, 
and much less mature behaviour. Experts in Australia are asking the government to do an inquiry into the two-year disruption to education. An article in the Sydney Morning Herald on the 2nd of May by Jordan Baker showed that in April 2022, schools found this to be the hardest month in many years. There's been an increase in aggression and a lack of compliance, which is thought to be due to the lack of outlets children had during the pandemic, a lack of time at sport, in music, drama and spending face-to-face time with other people. Others are saying it's the junior years of high school that we're finding the most problems in children, that they lack social abilities, lack social tolerance and they're socially awkward. They're reverting to aggressive behaviour to try to solve their problems. This lack of social competency, I'll be discussing further later on, is a major part of resilience. And these young people have been denied the ability to develop social competency skills during two years of isolation. Some teachers say children have lost the habit of attending school physically, that there's a loss of learning. They're finding that Year 10 girls are much more clingy than is usual for their age and is more usual for Year 8 girls. They're socially awkward. Many kids are continuing to wear masks to hide themselves, to hide their faces at school. Many are too anxious to face the school gate. In fact, there's an epidemic of students refusing to go to school. Other teachers say kindergarten to Year 2 are suffering the most because they've never been to school. Many of these children are still in a state of what we call fight or flight. They have a heightened nervous system, a heightened sense of physiological arousal. They're highly stressed, highly anxious, and many are highly depressed. The media is recommending, and so are teachers and schools, recommending more psychologists and other allied health professionals be brought into schools to help students and no doubt teachers with these problems to help children self-regulate and to catch up on their social development. The data we do have comes from the Australian Early Development Census, published in April 2022, and it showed a fall in 2021 from 2018 in children being on track developmentally. And this was the first national drop since 2009 of children in the first year of primary school. And what about technology? The current young generation are exposed to life lived largely through screens and a world of social media their parents don't really understand and can never fully keep up with in protecting and guiding them. Major tech companies, individual and group bullies and predators abound in this world of technology. Current adults had boundaries of bricks and mortar from bullies and sexual predators and from pornography, where we could retreat safely to be protected by our parents. Many of the young generation don't have any safe place from these evils. Being and feeling safe is a basic human right, according to the Human Rights Commission. If young people say they don't feel safe, we should be listening, paying attention and trying to help them sort this out not calling them snowflakes. Bullying is on the rise. School bullying doubled in the last 20 years. Bullying has been proven to cause post-traumatic stress disorder. This is a brain injury. Post-traumatic stress disorder is not just the result of being on war fields. 
This young generation was part of an era of increased bullying and has suffered by either being a target, a witness or a bully themselves. All of these players suffer as a result, either as children or later as adults. This is usually a lifelong injury. Bullying is now so prevalent in the workplace that gaslighting or covert bullying is now widely discussed and dealt with by psychologists such as myself. For whatever reason, I see it increasing in my private practice, playing out both in our personal and work settings. Now let's look at the issue of our era of uncertainty. My tribe of organisational psychologists have long studied this, and we use a term known as VUCA. VUCA is an acronym for Volatile, Uncertain, Complex and Ambiguous Environments. And of course, our world is increasingly volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. The notion of VUCA was introduced by the US Army War College to describe the more volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous multilateral world, which resulted from the end of the Cold War. The acronym itself was not created until the late 1990s. In fact, this year's annual Australian Psychological Society's Organisational Psychology Conference will centre on our VUCA times and I'll be delivering a presentation at this conference. Our increasingly volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous time and world is impacting individuals' goal-setting and achieving activities, particularly the younger generations. In 2018, the very year before COVID-19 appeared, there was an explosion of scientific research into goal achievement. Then COVID-19 hit and the world shut down. This also shut down or at least stunted achievements worldwide. Think of the millions of young people who missed out on major rites of passage, their school formals, their last year of primary or junior school on campus, the last year of high school, almost a whole university degree undertaken at home, the friendships not made, the employment unavailable. Think of critical life skills missed from missed human interaction, missed experiences in being part of the workforce, missed school school social skills, work skills, academic skills. We gain confidence from battling within these domains. Think of the missed confidence in these young people. Remember your experiences leaving major school or university stages. Remember the trials and tribulations you endured and conquered as you earned your rites of passage. These young people were robbed of many rites of passage due to the pandemic and lockdowns. So how will these VUCA times impact these young people's aspirations, abilities and opportunities to achieve? First, the importance of goal setting and achieving. Of course, people retreated to domestic and local activities such as crafts and cooking, which became important. As the world of publishing changed and shut down largely, podcasting took off. COVID-19 and ongoing VUCA times are changing people's aspirations and achievements, for better and worse. Findings show that in the current VUCA times, soft skills such as adaptability, curiosity, agility, self-regulation, learning from failure, job and career crafting help people to perform and achieve. 
We know, and research keeps warning us, we need these soft skills for the future. Computers and artificial intelligence has already clearly taken over many jobs. Many jobs that were once the domain of young adults, service checkout points, for example, are largely computerised as self-serve for a long time now. Sensitivity, the very quality the young generation is being derided for, is a major soft skill. COVID-19 has been found to cause disparities and achievement gaps between low and high income students and to thwart educational aspirations and other achievements of girls and women across the world. These soft skills that I mentioned earlier, they come from social competency. Social competency is only developed in person. And what about climate change? While eco-anxiety is not yet considered an official mental health disorder, the Australian Medical Association has declared climate a health emergency. The name given to this emergency is ecological or climate change anxiety. The American Psychological Association has described this as the chronic fear of environmental cataclysm that comes from observing the seemingly irrevocable impact of climate change and the associated concern for one's future and that of the next generations. Eco-anxiety is making itself known to psychologists around the globe. I find patients presenting with climate-related anxiety are on the increase. There's depression and often a sense of resignation around it. Anxiety escalates, particularly on hot days, during bushfires or when we're experiencing unusually fierce storms. Research shows that hot days are associated with increased hospital admissions for mental and behavioural disorders. And it isn't only in my practice. I see evidence of this climate anxiety throughout my daily interactions, particularly with younger people, and I recently spoke with a teenager at my local yacht club. He was telling me how much pollution he sees on the waterways, and his hands were shaking with emotion. He said he did as much cleaning up as he could to help make himself feel better. Symptoms of eco-anxiety vary, but the ones commonly reported include anxiety, panic attacks, feelings of fear, obsessive thinking, insomnia, loss of appetite and depression. In fact, there is now a trend of people choosing not to have children because of this anxiety. In my private practice, I used to hear young men and women say, I'm on the fence about having children. Now it's more often, there's no way I will bring a child into this world. They seem to feel they're better off childless and the decision seems to help them with their own anxiety by reducing further exposure through any potential child's bad experiences or suffering. Federal Minister of the Australian Parliament, the Honourable Dr Fiona Martin, found a clear link between mental illness and climate change fear in her research in 2021. In her report to the government, she wrote, the compounding trauma of living through extreme weather events, bushfires, floods, droughts, along with increasing levels of anxiety about the future, cannot be ignored. And what about wars? Who would have thought the horror and obscenity of a major world war could occur in 2022? 
And yet Russia began this by invading the Ukraine. And here we are in the midst of a new VUCA era, so deeply tragic and terrifying. On Anzac Day 2022, the Australian government warned its people to prepare for a potential war. Generations who have enjoyed largely war-free lives could consider that the youth may not enjoy such a lifetime. Yet, in being sensitive, the youth might be smarter than us, with more of the so-called soft skills that we know will be needed in their futures and better able to help us avoid war and other disasters. So what's the solution for our vulnerable young people? The more we embrace the uncertainty of life and are open to how inextricably it's part of our human experience, the more flexible we will be and able to adjust as needed on our journey and they on theirs. The uncertainty of life has been called cunning because it constantly changes and behaves in a different way. Things that have looked certain can suddenly or slowly become uncertain and vice versa. Resilience is what we all need for uncertainty. Resilience is a combination of self-regulation, which the younger generations are missing out on learning. We need to help them to develop self-regulation, plus social competency. And again, social competency skills have been lacking in the last two years for young people. They need our help in developing self-regulation and social competency to catch up on these developmental phases where they have lagged through no fault of their own, through no lacking of ability in themselves, they need our help to catch up. These very skills missed in lockdowns are going to be needed so badly people, and particularly young people, need to seek support, network, take the first step to find help and the next steps will appear. We all need to remember that mental and emotional sensitivity can be a major cause for mental illness and psychologists take sensitivity very seriously as it can cause mental illness, but that it also is a sign of superior emotional intelligence, fostering this sensitivity as a strength rather than as a weakness is important for the young people's future. In the natural environment, snowflakes are exquisite and are each unique in their own structure. We need unique young people to flourish. They are inheriting many burdens and hardships from our generations. Let's allow them and maybe acknowledge and even be grateful to them for the one positive outcome from our generations, an increased understanding of psychology, mental health and emotional intelligence. These things are soft skills that bring real resilience and are needed for the future. And the current young generation is going to need real, sustainable, soft skills, including resilience, in bucket loads. To the people who think the youth are too sensitive and can't understand why there's so much mental illness, I'm reminded of the regular international happiness surveys. Australia has for a long time been found right down near the bottom of these surveys, while countries with more dismal weather, a lack of sunshine, overcrowding and far less wealth and natural resources and beauty are much higher. It's always struck me that we call Australia the lucky country and we know how lucky we are. 
So those who feel they still can't make it or be happy being in such a lucky place must feel overwhelmingly a failure and full of self-criticism. Sensitivity, the very quality the young generation is being derided for, is a major soft skill, and I hazard a guess that this will soon be widely found and acknowledged through academic research. These young, sensitive people are not snowflakes at all. They probably have the very skills they need for their futures. Feeling overly sensitive comes from not embracing our sensitivity, not owning it, trying to disown it. Let's not encourage that in the young people. Let's help them to own their sensitivity, embrace it and be strong because of that. Let's make sure we help the young with these soft skills, that they are protected and honed, built into resilience and turned away from mental illness, which is the downside or risk of being sensitive. So this sensitivity can become the very strength needed in our future world and particularly for our younger generations. To find out more about me, please visit my website, dramandaferguson.com.au. You can find the link in my show notes. The opinions expressed by guests in these podcasts aren't necessarily shared by me.